my God, you absolutely love to see it. Way down there in Chicago, I can I can just barely make it out as the you know the sun's not quite out yet. It's a little rainy out, you know, a little cloud coverage, but I can just make out flying from Wrigley. It's a it's a flag, and it looks like a giant a giant. L, fly the L. The Milwaukee Brewers get it done over the Chicago Cubs in extra innings. Low Kane, a multi-home run game. Brandon Woodruff, an absolute wizard. You're a wizard, Woody. On the mound, and the Brewers win 4-2 in extras. Rowdy, the, the L is flying in Chicago. How does it feel, my friend? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's always nice to see a Brewer win. They're back to 500. They still really even haven't figured out the offensive side of the uh, game yet either. Yeah, but uh, still struggling to score runs, but they're finding ways to win games. Finding ways to win. The Brewers are now three and three, five hundred on the year. The Cubs and Brewers. Brewers take the first series against the Scrubbies, and I found this just for because Lorenzo Cain is multi home run day. Hey Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs got owned by Lorenzo Cain. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs got owned by Lorenzo Cain. You absolutely love to see it. And Brandon Woodruff was just magical on that mound. I, and we're going to talk about this today, because yes, the Brewers won, but there was some tense times because Brandon Woodruff was absolutely dealing. He was electric, struck out eight, had a perfect game going into the seventh until he finally gave up the hit, and then he gets pulled, right? And then Devin Williams comes in and immediately gives up the game-tying home run. Was that the Jack Peterson? Yep. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, why in the hell would you pull Brandon Woodruff, who only had 74 pitches and only had given up one hit? His curveball was insane. His everything about his in his arsenal was insane. Brandon Woodruff was dialed. In and he was untouchable besides that one. Rowdy, Devin Williams comes trotting in, and I like Devin Williams. Hell, rookie of the year last year. He had an ERA that was like minuscule. He needed a microscope to look at it. But Williams, who's what he gave up, how many hits did he give up last year? Like two? He didn't give up many. I mean, just peep the ERA that was under yeah. uh, point zero seven. Yeah, and then he has already given up one home run, comes in yesterday, gives up another home run, and I'm thinking to myself, and I remember back to when I was a kid. Remember, uh, well, I mean, I was more of a 90s kid. You were more of what, a two, late 90s, 2000s kid. But I'm a 90s kid. And I remember when pitchers would go nine innings. Starting pitchers would go out there eight, nine innings and just be a man out there and get it done. Brandon Woodruff went seven innings, Rowdy, with 74 pitches as then was pulled. And then immediately the game is tied. And then we had to sweat it out in extras. It wasn't. It was an exciting game. Don't get me wrong. We get the two home runs from Lorenzo Kane. But we're going to do some armchair managing today. The hell was the hell well, was you, CC thinking? You, RJ, and myself are all in a a chat group. Yeah. And you guys already knew what I was thinking when all of a sudden the the hook or, for the Brandon hook. Woodruff came in. What was because it? Because I was already about to rip my hair out. Same. What what. In what universe? Okay, I get it. The Brandon Woodruff to Devin Williams to Josh Hader, close the door, game's over. Awesome. Great. Love it. Okay, cool. But, Rowdy, why would you pull a pitcher 
who is absolutely just a monster and only sitting at 74 pitches. Now they won, don't get me wrong, but like help me or help counsel. Like why would you pull Brandon Woodruff? I'm pretty sure Woody's has uh pitched more than 74 pitches before before he get in their hook. Well, I mean, he did just in the first game of the season. <laughs> so yeah, that that narrative's correct. Well, can you explain it to me? I really I really can't. I there's so much that you can go on about. I know this. they won. Uh, Brandon, yeah, of course, what? you're not you're not upset that that because they won. No, not at all. But how upset would a lot of the people that said great managing move they won be if they didn't win that game? If they ended up losing, we'll say two to one to the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's we just got to bitch it out here a little bit because Rowdy, Brandon Woodruff. Your Brewers ace, he's the you know the opening day starter when the season started for the second year in a row. He's your ace. He's the beast, right? He is sitting at 74 pitches and only had given up one hit. And his stuff was nasty yesterday. Nasty. And Devin Williams comes trotting in, a guy who had already given up a home run uh, in his first appearance of the year. And you got to go all the way back to last season is when he was like throwing his best against game that matters. What would you rather have, Rowdy? A guy who did really good last year or a guy who's doing really good right now while the game is happening? Which one and who is sitting at 74 pitches? Which one would you rather have on the mound? Well, you already know my answer. I know, but say it. I would rather have Brandon Woodruff. <laughs> and it's not even that for me. It's It's the fact that the magic number in Major League Baseball these days is 100, right? Mm-hmm. Once you hit 100, it's like their arm's going to fall off. Yeah, it's like a, just like, you remember Peyton Manning when he came back, he had that paper mache arm? It's like that. What do they think is the arm's going to fall off and they're all going to ruin the pitcher at 100 pitches? But he was at 74. But the thing is, how many times in Brandon Woodruff's career, dating back to, what, 2017-ish, mm-hmm. has he looked that good? That was one of the better games. I, I that's think one of his best games he's had. He's ever he's ever pitched. Yeah, like one hit over seven innings. He struck out eight. The broadcast crew was fawning over his curveball. They're like the bite on it yesterday was insane. So on the ride home yesterday, I got to catch the first couple innings uh, on the radio, yeah. and they were talking about how his curveball on the radio looks the best it's ever looked. Yeah. So that's yep. where I'm. That's where I'm going with this. If we're looking at Brandon Woodruff having one of the best starts he's ever had in his career, and it's not like his career has been 10 years, it's, you know, four years, but that's still a decent, decent yeah. enough long time. Why would you, why would you take him out at 74 pitches when Devin Williams, the guy that you went to, and this is by no fault of his own, oh. had missed time in spring because of injury and tightness it, it, was it a shoulder injury yeah he had some tightness and he, and he had an injury so they were they would they didn't rush him back he, but he didn't get as much game time we saw him come in what was that the first game of the Cubs series yeah where they had lost and he didn't look that sharp no he gave up a dinger like you could just tell he looked a little rusty and now do I think that Devin Williams is going to have a bad season because of what he's looked like in the first two games no absolutely no, not I no. think he's just still trying to knock off some of that rust because he didn't get to throw the uh, amount of innings that the Brewers wish he would have in spring. Correct. But that, but that's what I'm saying. We just saw Brandon Woodruff 
have one of his better performances so far of his career, and you're bringing in the unknown of Devin Williams, who had looked rusty, who hasn't gotten the type of innings that they wanted him to due to tightness, due to some injury. Doo-doo. But my biggest thing is you don't necessarily know, even if he was 100% healthy or 100% good, if Devin Williams is going to be on his A game. Yeah, because yeah. Josh Hader and Devin Williams are two of the better relief pitchers in one-two punches, probably the best one-two punch in Major League Baseball. But that doesn't mean every time you bring them into a game, they're going to have their A stuff. Correct. But last night... Brandon Woodruff had his A stuff, so why yes. mess with it? He had his A plus stuff, A plus plus extra credit. It was okay. Who would you rather have? The guy who was sitting at seventy four pitches, seventy four pitches. And I looked it up. The most pitches Brandon Woodruff has ever thrown in his career, he threw hundred and eight multiple times, <laughs> and his arm didn't fall off. Correct, and it didn't fall off because well, obviously it didn't because he pitched a gem yesterday. Listen, love the fact that the Brewers won. Love the fact that the Cubs have to fly 100%. the L. We're not, uh, not going to complain it. about a win. But what's going to happen when you overmanage and overanalyze a game, uh, like, I don't know, in the playoffs, which has already happened, by the way, and you can magnify a lot of things. But here's, here's what I'm thinking about it. Do you want the guy who is absolutely dealing, dealing, currently on the mound, or you go to the guy who gave up a home run before and you've known and he's coming off a little injury. Yeah, and I'm I saw a lot of people say, Well, Brandon Woodruff going seven, Devin Williams getting the eighth, and, and Josh Hader getting the ninth is exactly how you want it to play out. Which yeah, okay, yeah. In a, in a in an ideal situation, if it came out that way, yeah, you'd love that. That means you're probably in the you're well, you're obviously ahead and you're probably going to win the game. Like Rowdy on paper, it sounds incredible, doesn't it? But but also when you well, what about out, the eye test? Yeah, when you lay out that ideal situation, though, I'm thinking Brandon Woodruff went seven innings. You know, he probably gave up a run or two. He's probably at 100 yeah, or around so 100 pitches. pitches. And then you can tell that he's getting towards the end of the line. They're starting to have better at-bats against him. They're starting to hit the ball hard against him. Yep. And then you're bringing in Devin Williams with that changeup, and then you're going to bring in Hayter with that fastball and slider. Yeah, that sounds great. That Yeah, that sounds great, but guess what? He wasn't around 100 pitches. <laughs> 74. There wasn't a lot of guys that were just teeing off on him or all of a sudden it looked like they were having great at-bats against mm-hmm. him. He was absolutely rolling. Yeah, could you imagine if Woody went the distance and only pitched like in the 90s? And that's that very well could have happened. Totally. And then he went the distance, gave up one hit, let's say, and it had ninety some pitches and did a complete game. He would be all over every single national media outlet of how the Brewers had just a gem of a pitching performance from the race. If you look at the seventy four pitches through seven innings and you obviously average that out and multiply it for nine innings, he would have thrown ninety five, ninety six pitches. Mm-hmm. In what world would you have said Let's take him out. No, I wouldn't. None. And to your point, I would totally. Like Woody to Devin Williams to Josh Hader to close the game out sounds great on paper. But when and you're it watch- is, and it is yeah. when he's at his allotted yeah. pitch count. And w- but when you're watching something happen and unfold in front of your eyes, there's this saying called you ride the hot hand. And Rowdy, who had the hottest hand last or yesterday afternoon in Wrigley? It was Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff. Listen, love the win. We're going to talk about the win and Lorenzo came oh, what he did. But how about how about this too from this point of view? How many times have you watched since 2017 where especially early in the season Craig Council has went to his bullpen early? Oh, a bunch of times. But how many times by June, July has that bullpen started to crap out on him? 
bunch even, of times. Even when the bullpen has been extremely good, yeah. right? Bunch of times. It it has multiple times. And that's why in 2019 they ended up making that trade for Drew Pomerantz and yeah. Ray Black because they needed arms. Because if you remember correctly, those first two and a half months of the season, a lot of the uh, Brandon Woodruffs of the world and, and some of those type guys were getting pulled early and they were going to the bullpen. And you could tell that the bullpen was just taxed. They needed another, yeah. Yeah, yeah, another yeah. arm or two totally. in there because they were just gassed and they needed a little bit of a break. But... Okay, now we we have a couple of questions on Twitch like, okay, maybe they're trying to save Brandon Woodruff for September. Okay, I understand that, but he was at 74 pitches. Yeah, but here's the thing. 74. We're talking about how Brandon Woodruff had probably some of the best stuff he's ever brought to a major league mound yesterday. Yeah, ever. How, how, many, how many more times this season? is he, If he stays healthy, he'll make between 30 and 35 starts. Yeah. How many times in the next, since he's got two down, we'll say 33 starts, is he going to have a start where he goes less than five innings and he just has an off game and he gets shelled? It'll be more and of that than what happened yesterday. Exactly. And he'll only get to 50, 60, 70 pitches, yeah. but he got shelled and there was no way that he was going to get to 100. Yeah. Baseball is a game where it all evens out, where you can hit an absolute rocket to shortstop and the guy will have a nice pick and he'll throw you out and you're out. Mm-hmm. Or you'll hit an absolute dud to shortstop <laughs> and he'll make an error and now you're on base. Yeah, you're on base. The game evens itself out. Yeah. Uh, so we'll keep talking about it. What was it, Macho Man, where he says the cream? The cream, Rowdy. Always rises to the top. Well done, the cream rises to the top. All right, let's go to the phones. It'll, we have It'll even itself it'll, out and the better yeah. players will become the better players. A little ever long. Ooh-wee. That could only mean one thing. Back from his two very important meetings from last week and the week before. Our guy, Barry Richter, I guess just the week before. Barry Richter in the house. What's up, Bear? What's going on, Evil? What's up, boys? How you doing? Well, we were missing you dearly last week, Barry, but I knew duty called when that, uh, you know, very top secret important meeting. So I was glad to get you back on these airwaves. I'm doing good. RJ, how are you doing? Doing fantastic. Nelly? Living the dream, baby. Barry, better question is, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I don't care if it's raining out. I'm doing great. <laughs> so, hey, we uh, we wanted to do a little recap with you, obviously. We just had Strobes, uh, Badgers associate head coach Mark Strobel, on last week, and he was he was disappointed, obviously, in the Badgers' loss. but hope... not, not mad, just disappointed. Yeah, he wasn't mad. He was just disappointed. But hope springs eternal, Barry. you got to be hopeful. you got to be you know keep your head, head held high, and that's what Strobes does best. Uh, after the Badgers' loss to Bemidji State, what did my man uh, Wisconsin legend Barry Richter think? Well, we we talked about it the uh, the week before is that uh, it's a one game deal, right? I mean, it's not it's not four out of seven where you know that's where really your hockey playoffs should lie in, and it's and it's, it's a one shot deal, sixty minutes, and that's it. And if you're not focused and paying attention, and we also talked about Badgers taking care of their own end, and that's uh, that's that was sort of a concern a little bit going into that uh, Big Ten championship game um, against Minnesota. Um, got exposed, and um, and so they got exposed a little bit on some mistakes that were made, uh, you know, especially in that second period where he just had a barrage of goals, and so they they seemed to have a couple of those letdowns where, uh, you know, whether it's a ten minute period or a ten minute segment, which really stings, and they let in three goals, and then all of a sudden you're sort of playing catch up, uh, which is really really tough. And then of course, you know, Robbie Vadoon just overplaying the puck there at the very last minute, mm. I believe it was, to, to make it four one. 
and uh, and we also talked about that too. So it was a little it was disappointing, but you got to give credit to uh, Bemidji State. Uh, I watched the game. I'll tell you what, they were flying. They they had speed. They were beating us the pucks. They were winning the one on one battles. Um, you know, so all the credit goes to them. The, the other thing I wanted to mention here, Evo, is that. You know the, the ice. Yeah, I wanted to ask the, you about this, Barry, because we were talking to Strobel's about it, and Strobel was like, "I don't." Sorry to interrupt you, but Strobel was like, "I don't want to make any excuses." And he goes, "I am not making excuses for why we lost the game." But I heard it uh, on Twitter. You know, people talking around the halls. We had a golf event. You know, the day after, unfortunately, the Badgers lost, and a bunch of Badger fans were there saying how terrible the ice was. Bear, it was like it was like Strobel's had said it was like glue. Like even if you were like yeah, on it, like stick to your shirt, your your sweater, and whatnot. What was up with the ice? And and there is no excuse for you know losing a game, but but here's the deal: you're definitely taking a high power, you know, a very skilled team of Wisconsin, and then all of a sudden you're taking away a couple, you know some some elements of their game because they have to capture the puck, they got to settle it down, and they can't snap you know snap it off as quick on shots. So there is an element to that, totally, where it does not help a team like Wisconsin. And then they just get frustrated, right? And so I'm watching this game on TV, and uh, and, and of course the NCAA is they, they have to rectify the situation with the, with the playoffs. First of all, they have two weeks, or you know the Big Ten had two weeks in between playoff games, and then they go on brand new sheet of ice. And I watched the other regional games too. The one in uh, Fargo is the same way, and uh, the five overtime games. So it it because they, they they must take off the advertisement, which is a, you know the NCAA thing they have to do, but for it's one thing to do it with a basketball court, you know, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> you just lay it down, yeah. you know, but, but to do it with, with ice and making, you know, it, you have to do these things three weeks in advance. I mean, that's how long ice takes to settle. You need to skate on it. And then the Zamboni has to come out for a couple of weeks and resurface after the skate. It has to almost mix up. And well, just to watch, it really gets me fired up to watch, you know, here we are, the kids are playing one game shot deal. And the puck is bouncing around like a like a tennis ball out there, and 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 that's on the NCAA. Yeah, they have to they that's have terrible. to do something better. That's terrible. I mean, especially with the way TV is now, you can just superimpose graphics over that. It's not like the people there need to see the NCAA logo, right? <laughs> RJ, you're the, you're totally right there, buddy. Yeah, I mean, you're I mean, exactly right. I, I mean, mean they, it's like oh, they they do geez. it. Yeah, I mean, we see like. You know, football is a great example. They get they put down the first the first down line. They put down like the different colors when you enter the red zone in some like TV broadcasts and things like that. So, I mean, I, yeah, with you there, it, it's it's a very easy way. I mean, sure, the people in attendance won't be able to see the NCAA markings Who on cares? the ice. It's like but... a slap in the face to all the kids that know the coaching and the staff and the universities that work so hard to get there, isn't it, Bear? It, it is. It really is. And I, like I said, to everyone listening, it, it, you don't want to sound like a whiner and you don't want to sound like an excuse. But it's gone on too long. It really has. When I played, they didn't do that kind of thing. They weren't worried about advertising and stuff like that. So when you went to go play in the Joe Louis Arena, the old Joe in St. Louis, or in the Detroit, it was. Uh, it was. They had the advertising there, and they just played on the same surface that the Detroit Red Wings played on, and and it was fine, and it was fast ice and everything. But. What do, you think that, what do you think that is, play? Barry? Is it is it just is it because people is it uh, people are caring more about like football and basketball? Is it a care thing or is it like what what is the disrespect? I don't understand it. I don't how you can't have an well, equal playing field. I think I think it's just the NCAA thing. I mean, they're just, they're very particular about the. I mean, you watch the whole you know March Madness. I mean, those that's yeah. very dialed in, right? Very. Um, meticulous, very tardy, just, it's just whatever the color scheme is. There's no advertising. All it says is NCAA, and then you got the teams. There's absolutely no 
advertising whatsoever. Maybe the water bottles, I think, you know, those, those little individual <laughs> cases that they had for the basketball players. But but that's about it. Yeah, and, 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 so and they're, even they're to your particular. point there, uh, with that, when they, they bring in a new court, they throw decals on courts. And, I mean, you've seen it even in the NCAA basketball tournament. Guys slip on those decals yeah. all the time. Uh, yeah. I mean, so yeah, dumb. at some point, it's just like, we know it's the NCAA tournament. You don't have to throw that in our face. And if if it comes at the it, with the conditions of the ice, and you're not even one shift in, and the the refs had to pull people off the ice, shovel it, and I forget which game it was, but the one of the goal was it the BC Duluth game? The goalie kicked off the net five times. Yeah, I mean that's it's, that's I've never seen that more than once in a game, and then to have it happen five times, I'm just like, yeah. either this guy's doing it on purpose, or that's a horrible sheet of ice. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and and Mike Kemp, who actually was our assistant coach here at Wisconsin, he coached me as a defenseman's coach, as the, as the chairman of the uh, the committee, and then you know I'm so fired, I, I should just give him a shout. You know what I mean? And, Barry, and of course, yeah, there's call, a lot of get him on the parts. show. Let's 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 get him on the show and just pick his brain. And be like, what the hell's wrong, dude? And, and, Come on, man. And grill him. Yeah, let's, but, I'll, I'll do it, Bear. I'll grill him. And, and, and the other thing I, I must say is that it's just really, really difficult. And, uh, and the basketball the basketball got it right. All the kids went to a, to the pods and, the, and sort of a you know bubble, so to speak. And here you got two. And, and I get it. There's a lot of moving parts for hockey, and it's low on the tier and stuff like that. But for these kids for two weeks to play in between games with COVID out there, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. So it, it, it's just a... It, it's really difficult. It is really, really difficult to play the game. We talked about this two weeks ago with strolls and everything to have two weeks off, and then now they have another two weeks off to the Final Four. Yeah, and for hockey, and 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 now you have one of the best teams. You have four teams left. You have UMass. Their top goalie is out, and their top leading goal scorer who had a hat trick in yeah. the last game is out. Crazy. I mean, is that? It, it's just. It's really, really difficult to do this. So let's. They should have just either truncated the, the game times. I mean, college hockey players they would they would play on Tuesday, Wednesday if it was, had to do with rights, yeah, and right. whatever, and the TV rights and everything. They would play anytime. Um, and now you have this situation going on, which is it's just hard, right? These players. I mean, these players are trying to get there. I mean, these are college kids. Their dream is to play in the, the Frozen Four, and now you've sort of taken away from them. It's not taken away from them, but it's just it's a it's a tough thing with COVID. Yeah, it really is. Barry Richter joining us right now, Wisconsin hockey legend. But Barry, this is what I said to Strobes. Uh, you got to obviously we're a little upset and disappointed and looking at the NCAA and their jackassery, right? But looking at Wisconsin as a whole, when I take a step back and look at it, and with COVID nineteen, there's a global pandemic going on. There's every excuse in the book for why the season couldn't be a success, right? But what did Granado, Strobes, and all the boys do? The coaching staff with the players they have, they won the Big Ten. They got to the NCAA tournament. Like this is a huge success of a season, is it not? It is. I mean, and all of a sudden things are done. We didn't even know if the games were going to be played, or, or you know, some teams didn't play for a month. For God's sakes, I think Penn State was one of those teams that didn't play for a month, and then also Michigan for like three weeks. So it was a huge success, and uh, and to watch the team, you know, have to, to celebrate and to, to win the the Big Ten championship, and to do it in a style where you, you know they. They were playing really elite hockey at that point yeah. in time, and so it was just and a lot punk of punk Minnesota. How great was that? <laughs> exactly, and, and so and when we were we were doing our segments on Wednesdays in late December, I mean, we were like, "Oh boy, they got to win. Probably they can't lose. They can maybe lose one game. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, that's so crazy. For them to go on a string 
and uh, and to win the Big Ten championship. Hats off to them. Congrats. It was a fun team to watch. They had a high-powered offense, great power play. Um, you know, too bad the fans weren't in the stands to be able to watch, you know, Caulfield, who signed with Montreal, yeah. and he's up in uh, Montreal and is uh, quarantining until he can play for like, <laughs> I, two weeks. I think he's actually going to be playing this weekend. So I think uh, I think we're there now. Uh, yeah, well, it's... I tell you what, he's got hockey night in Canada. It'll be uh, well. There's gonna be no fans. <laughs> it'll be so when you're playing when you're playing up in Canada uh, and you're playing against other Canadian teams. So you know, hopefully, uh, well, Bear, you know, when you when you in your NHL days in your NHL days when you were you know bumping around Canada, you know what was it like? Was you got like a like a rock star? It was like the Beatles walking down the street. Well, as you always know, Evo, as I say, it, it is like NFL here times ten, like times ten. I'm not even. I'm not even joking. It crazy. is. It is. It is. We're like. We're like crazy. people. Like people fawning at you, trying to grab a little piece of your mullet. <laughs> you are. <laughs> well, it. You know, and I was. A, I was a borderline NHL guy, right? So I mean, but when you would go out, yeah, if you're a borderline person, they would know you. They would know where you came from. They knew everything about you. It is. You know, when you go out to dinner and everything up in Canada, so whether it was in Toronto. Montreal, you know, Vancouver, wherever it is, uh, is that intense up there? They they really take a, a elite, proud uh, mentality to their game, and uh, but they study it too. Yeah, I mean, Barry, they really know their game. Were you were they nice to you? Like were the Canadian nice? Like, hey, buddy, can I get an autograph, guy? And you're like, hey, I'm trying to enjoy my poutine here. Come on. Or were they like, were, were they ravenous like Americans when it comes to the NFL players? Were they nice? They were. They were. They were obviously. There's different types, right? You have. Uh, I mean, they build, It depends on the teams doing in the local market. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good that's, point. You got the guys who will take you to uh, Tim Hortons and the guys who won't. You know. <laughs> exactly. Hey, buddy, but you know the you Brewers gave up have, a goal last night, buddy. Have, <laughs> the Brewers have poutine. You know that, right, guys? You know yeah. they have poutine at the at the stadium there. So yeah, yeah. but it. They, they are they are intense and uh, but they're 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 nice. It's not like they're you know it's not like uh, soccer in uh, you know South America or something like that. Or where they're gonna go? Well, they gonna kidnap you, Barry? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's, in, well, that's good. But it's intense. It's intense. I'm not saying it's not intense. It, yeah. it is intense, and uh, they they have very high expectations. And and the two Canadian teams is where we get to the the final four, a little bit of final four. But the two Canadian teams are looking great. I mean, Toronto is just looking outstanding right now. Um, as well as Edmonton, but uh, you know Toronto. Some people say Toronto might win the Stanley Cup this year, but it'll be interesting because they haven't come south of the border just yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you mentioned Cole Caulfield, and now uh, as the weeks passed, we find out the entire first line of forwards is now all moved on. You had Ty Emerson yesterday uh, uh, sign, and and your captains moved on. I, I mean, with the end of the season there, and now all of a sudden we're seeing mass exodus is a bad way to say it because some of these guys would have graduated uh, without uh, the possibility of the extra year due to COVID, but they're moving on to their professional careers. Uh, You know, especially with that first uh, line of forwards, I mean, what kind of production, and I think we already know the answer, but what kind of production and where do we see it coming from, you know, moving forward uh, from that first line that, uh, that we now have, have lost to the professional ranks. RJ, the kind of production is putting you in front of the net and just letting it go off your butt or your leg or something. And that's the kind of goals that boys are going to have to get next year. Yeah. That is the, you Those know, greasy goals. The, <laughs> the greasy, greasy goals. goals. And, and, uh, 
And uh, Granado talked about it at the, one of his press conferences after the season. He said, you know, they're going to have to find different ways to score, and that's going to be just more gritty, right? They're not going to be clipping at a 30. I mean, they're at 31 or 32% this year in the power play, which is yeah. just – that's crazy. So I mean, that we probably happen. won't be seeing the five forwards power play again? <laughs> no, we're not going <laughs> to see the – you know, the, the, the roundabout five forward power play, which is actually fun to watch, but <laughs> oh, it's, absolutely. It's, so they're going to have to, they're going to have to really, you know, other guys have to step up and we've seen that in the past where, you know, it's a year later and, uh, and others are getting stronger and they're going to have to step up in the limelight, but they're just not going to be able to say, Hey, Cole, go get a goal. I mean, Cole Caulfield really, I and mean, he's going to win the Hale Hobie Baker here in a yeah, couple he's days. A star, dude. Maybe it's tomorrow that they, they announce it, but he's, I mean, for him to just you know snipe a couple goals and get the team back in there, just it just you know that that's that stuff that doesn't happen. So they're going to have to really come together as a five man unit out there and produce uh, goals that way. In addition, it's just a it's a weird weird time as you guys know with these transfer portals. Yeah, um, Strobe says Strobe says there's a ton of them out there too in the transfer. Oh, Badgers already picked yeah. up two uh, this week. Yep. Uh, yeah, so it's just it's really difficult. So you have a, it's almost like you got to be a GM. Yeah. You know, where you are making uh, deals uh, right now. Well, it's not like recruits where you recruit them four years ago and are, are they ready to come in. This is like now and, and, and here and now where you got to start recruiting and uh, free agents, so to speak, to come to the program. I think Strobes is sending off a bunch of texts with emojis in it right now trying to recruit some guys. We, we, we love us some Strobes here. Barry, a couple more questions before I let you go. Man, time flies. I didn't... I could talk all day with Bear. Uh, Frozen Four, obviously, you know, going down. We got what Minnesota? Uh, was it Minnesota Duluth, Massachusetts, and then Minnesota State versus Saint Cloud State? Who does Barry Richter think is going to punch their ticket uh, all the way to be the national champion? Well, I think Duluth. Duluth is playing UMass, and what, we talked about UMass being a little bit undermanned with their top goalie, top yeah. scorer out. But Duluth has the experience. I mean, think about this, guys. They have. They are. Um, they could be the first team since 1951 to three peat. They're the only wow. team that has been that has been the final four or frozen four, if you want to say that, the last four in a row. So with Scott Sandlin as the coach there, and I know I know Strobes uh, really respects him a lot and respects that program a lot as he as he coached up there. But I talk about a program that you might want to emulate is, is, is Minnesota Duluth. I mean, they've been there, so they don't know any different. And I was just reading an article about these guys. Just think about it. These guys that are underclass and they're gone through Duluth, they don't know anything different other than making the final four. That, that's their expectation. <laughs> imagine a program. <laughs> imagine a program. It's almost like UConn in basketball. Their, yeah. their expectations are, well, UConn is the win it every year. But I mean, and, and now Duluth is the win it every year. I mean, that's mm-hmm. crazy. What a that's great crazy. culture. I mean, in terms of a team. And are they like the Alabama of football? Oh. Crazy, it's awesome. So I, I have Duluth uh, winning that game, and then uh, then you have Mankato State, St. Cloud, and St. Cloud. I think is going to get the upper hand there uh, in terms of that. So I have St. St. Cloud and then Duluth in the final. But I have I have Duluth. I, I'm going with Duluth. Uh, one of my buddies, Luke Stosker, some Prairie kid. He played for him. I wouldn't say he's a kid anymore, but he's a buddy of mine. <laughs> but uh, he was at Duluth, and and so uh, you know they they just seem to have the hot hand. They seem to be able to do it. And uh, you know when you win in five overtimes, you got something special going for you. When they did that against North Dakota, yeah, uh, Barry, awesome stuff. Thanks for joining us, man. We missed you last week. Glad to have you on the airwaves. Uh, I do have a just a off a, a non hockey question. Well, maybe it kind of involves hockey. Obviously, your dad hired Barry Alvarez. Barry Alvarez hanging it up. 
Has there been any scuttlebutt around the Richter family about uh, you know who could be a replacement? Is Pat Richter going to come out of retirement? He's coming back? Is he coming back? <laughs> Is he putting the sticks away? Coming back, Bear? No, he's not coming back. And it's uh, you know, I, but I tell you what, what a what a great era of Wisconsin athletics. Just to look back on it, right? Sometimes you just got a small, you know, roses. Hey, how about that? There's a pun for you. Small you roses, but um. <laughs> Do you remember you know, anything just, uh, growing up when your dad was? Uh, well, I guess you were still you were kind of growing up by then. But do you remember anything about your dad talking about the hiring process or wanting to thinking him and Han over Alvarez or anything? You know, when I was there, my dad became AD when I was uh, halfway through my freshman year with the hockey team at Wisconsin, and um, and I remember it was January, February when he just got hired, and I remember uh, Coach Alvarez coming to visit us at the house, very quiet, you know, coming in there just before things were sort of happening and. Um, you know, meeting him for the first time. And, uh, and so to look back on that, it's just pretty neat. Right. And, uh, cause that was obviously a, a huge, huge deal yeah. right? to, to bring in him, to bring him in there and, and the right side of the ship of the football program just started everything. And so to, to watch it unfold and then, uh, throughout the years. And then obviously, uh, when I was playing hockey and abroad and overseas and to see him winning these championships and or the Rose Bowls and everything, and, and to see the whole, athletic department take off and then Alvarez taking over for my dad. It's just, it's really neat. I mean, it's, uh, you know, for those folks that were there in the late eighties and, and early nineties, it was pretty bare, right? And uh, the couple, <laughs> yeah, couple it was of pretty bare. much so just a hockey program. <laughs> it was, it was. So it was, and, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's going to be large shoes to fill. Right. Well, hey, Bear, we were saying this. We compared your dad to Brett Favre and then Barry Alvarez to Aaron Rodgers. Like, can, <laughs> can, can, similar, yeah. can lightning strike a third time? So <laughs> tell your dad we said hi, and we'd love to have him on one of these days if he wants to come back on. But it was uh, he is the Brett Favre-esque here. He's, he, you know, he's the face that built the place for Wisconsin. Yeah. And R.J. brought up a really good point because when Alvarez was out with all those trophies, R.J., you said, what about those trophies out there? Uh, six of them should be taken away. Because your dad is the one who hired Mark Johnson, so those are technically your dad's trophies. So tell your dad we we know we know what's up there. Well, I appreciate that, but I guess the little difference between the Packers and the Badgers is that the Badgers didn't uh, draft a first round uh, person to take over Alvarez while he was there and make a man right. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't try to push your dad out, right? He was just ready for yeah. retirement. Yeah, exactly. Well, you guys, hey Nelly, nice to hear from you, buddy. Um, <laughs> Barry, you know, you got to know where your bread's buttered, and mine's not buttered when it comes to hockey. <laughs> but it I is when you get a little joke in there at the end. Barry, yeah. uh, one more thing. you, Barry, you can tell all your hockey brethren, alumni, the loss was on me for bringing up 1992. Oh. No, no, uh, that's, that's not it. squarely on my shoulders. I brought it. in bad juju. I blame RJ. No, 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 no. It's, uh, it has nothing to do with it. There were no excuses. The boys just couldn't play. You know, they just didn't play well for 60 minutes, and that happened. But other than that, a very successful season for, uh, you know, hats off to the program to get a Big Ten championship. And, uh, anyways, you guys have a great week. I you can too, hear the Barry. music. They're telling me to get off the stage. Anyways, you guys have a great hey, week. Hey, uh, appreciate your time, man. Once concerts are back, <laughs> this, this my, I'll shed a single tear because we won't talk to you much until hockey starts again. But you and I are getting to some concerts once this opens up, right, brother? Definitely, buddy. All right, boys. Take care. Have a great week. There he is, Barry Richter, the freaking man. Go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Tommy. Hey, Tommy. What's up, brother? Tom. Cubs. Fly the L. That little bit of Masters uh, whispering thing. Oh, um, Tom, you want some of that? Hang on a second. Well, yeah. I mean, Masters. (laughs) One second, Tom. One second. One second. I'm efforting. Efforting. Hello, friends. 
We now welcome in Brewer's Die Hard and a man's man, Tom from Richland Center. Good morning, Tom. How are you? <laughs> We're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> I made my putter stand up. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell um, yeah anyway, I just wanted to mention that <clears throat> the Brewers were so fun to listen to. You start with pitching that was phenomenal, and then the perfect game goes away. But I have to ask you about that, Tommy. Obviously, we love that the Cubs won. Lorenzo Cain, two home runs, right? Uh, a little uh, tense moments in the 10th inning when uh, the, the, what was it, uh, Fire Eyes and Lord of the Bases, Boxberger came in to finally get her done. But, Tom, Brandon Woodruff, the Brewers' ace, right, had a perfect game going. He had a, or a no-hitter going, and then he had 74 pitches, only giving up one hit, and they pulled him. What do you think about that, Tommy? Well, you You'd have to find out what he thought about it, really. You know, maybe he was getting tired a little bit early in the year. But he had an inning, he pitched seven pitches, then one with 11, another with 11, another with seven. I mean, oh, man, we're talking about a master class. And but, they pulled them, um, Tom. I was deciding right about then that maybe we're going to win one to nothing. And I thought, you know, we need we need Lorenzo Cain to hit a home run. And he stood up there and... He delivered. He went out of the park. I was like, I called that one. Tommy, it was awesome, dude. When they pulled Woody and then Devin Williams came in and gave up that home run, what did you think when the game was tied at one apiece? We were like, council that's, that's, oh. that's when you say, why did they get rid of the first guy? I mean, when someone's doing really good and you pull him, it's like, really? Well, Tom, that's what I'm saying. It's like, what, what would you rather have? The guy who did good last year, who is now coming off an injury and already given up a home run, or the guy who is doing good right now who is on the mound? Yeah, the hot hand is definitely... You got to go with the hot hand. Uh, I definitely think Council pulls people too soon, too much, and then pulls them too late, too much. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, they won the game, so we're excited about it. But still, you go back seventy-four pitches, and you're pulled after you're just a monster on the mound. It kind of yeah. bugs me a little bit. Well, yeah, I hear you, and uh, I, I disagree with it unless it turns out that Woodruff himself was thinking maybe it was time. Well, I mean, we do have some comments from Woody, from- and he said he was laboring a bit in the seventh, and he agrees with Craig Council. But my follow-up would be like, what the hell else is he going to say? Well, I don't know. I mean, he could be like Aaron Rodgers and Pout. You know? <laughs> Which, by the way, Aaron Rodgers has been on Jeopardy. Did you know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew it, Tommy. He's been doing a pretty good job. He's, he's pretty low-key. He yeah. could actually handle a public speaking kind of thing on a regular basis. <laughs> well, Tommy, nice to hear from you, brother. Yeah, it's so great. And, you know, we're playing the Cardinals, so yeah, what the yeah. hell? Go Brewers. See you, buddy. Bye. Bye. All right, we got the, the phone lines blowing up. Let me just toss a couple of you guys on hold really quick. Let's go to line three. Welcome to the show. Who's this? I mean... I'm calling to explain to you guys why pulling Woody was the right move. Is this Fuller? Maybe. Hey, Fuller. <laughs> Full dog. Hey, one second, Fuller. I just got to toss someone on hold quick. Uh, just toss you on hold real quick. Fuller, okay, they won the game. I love it. I absolutely love it. Brandon Woodruff was a man-possessed, quite possibly the best game that he has pitched in his Brewers career, if not one of the best games in his Brewers career, 74 pitches, he's pulled. Devin Williams comes in and gives up the home run. Yeah, and I had to argue with Rowdy last night about this too. I heard. And he was not very wise. Let me explain something to you. If he has a no-hitter going, he's going back out there. If they're up 2 nothing instead of one nothing, he goes back out there. The reason that he was pulled is that – he, you don't send a guy out into the eighth inning if he has a chance to lose when he pitches that well. Mm-hmm. They wanted to, they, they had a chance to get him a win with the two best relievers in baseball, arguably, and all you're doing by setting him out there is setting him up for a chance to lose the game. So you don't think that Woody could win? 
No, I, I'm not saying he couldn't win, but so, look at what happened. Okay, hold on. Look at what happened with Corbin Burns against the Twins when he had a no-hitter going. One pitch, and he all of a sudden now he takes a loss. You know, but that's also because they took him out right away after that. What if you would have? What if you would have stayed in, finished that inning, and then the Brewers score two runs? He's now the winner. But they Fuller, I mean, we could do this all day. Fuller, who would you rather have a guy? No, sir. What you just said doesn't even make sense. Hey, Fuller, one the, second. The one, whole, Fuller, that makes no sense. You literally just what, uh, Burns literally just gave up one run. The Brewers didn't score a run that whole game. So tell me how he was going to get a win if, if they left him in. That makes no sense. No, I'm saying All if I'm he th- finishes the inning, he's now could potentially be the record or the pitcher of record if the Brewers scored runs that next inning. At but that point they, in time, you don't know if you're going to score runs or not. Fuller, who would you rather have, the guy who is pitching one of his best performances ever at 74 pitches or a guy who did good a year before? Here, let me Now let me explain another reason why you pull him. Because <laughs> – you haven't you haven't gotten Devin Williams into a into a situation that was high intensity yet, and Hater hasn't pitched in six days. The whole re- the whole reason Williams is struggling because he hasn't had enough work yet. You I mean it's just April we're it's April seventh. We're talking about oh he pulled Woody too early. Like it's not like this was a we got to first off. Fuller, do you work. like the bubble wrap all your pitchers? Is do you think their arm falls off after a hundred pitches? Well, what's okay? What, what, 70, what good, he what good does it do? Just what think. Good hey, do Woody, hey, hey, what good does it do, Woody, to go out there for the last two innings? What Could you imagine if Woody was allowed to do, let's say, a complete game and he finishes with like middle ninety pitches, not even a hundred? It is national wide news everywhere, and the Brewers are getting love, and Woody is getting love. Okay, so what happens when he gives up a home run to Jock Peterson? Who, by the way, what happens if he has, pitches all the way through and they win one nothing? Has Jock Peterson, who has owned him. What if your aunt career. has balls and she's your uncle? Off of him. I love the win. Hey, Fuller, don't get it twisted. I love the win. Don't get me wrong, no, brother. You guys, you guys are missing. You guys are missing the long, the, the big picture here. You're, you're missing the big picture. And that is you what. What what uh, what good? Is, all you're doing by sending him out there is setting him up for a chance to to lose. You, you pull win. him with a chance. They did. They pulled him. They pulled him with a chance. Woody to didn't get the win, by the way. Hater got it. I understand that, but he didn't give. He didn't have. He they pulled him with a chance to win. What counsel? I, hey, listen, love the if, win. Okay, it was great. Goes, if he goes on, if he goes in, Devin the Williams game, came in and immediately gave him a home run. Yeah, but there's a reason why Devin Williams hasn't gotten much work so far this year, and it's because he had tightness. He had some uh, precautions with injuries. That's why he hasn't gotten work. So if he if Woody goes back in, in the eighth and he gives up a hit. Okay, and then they pull, come and pull him after he gives up the hit. Now you got one guy on. Now if he scores, it sounds like you just don't trust Brandon Woodruff. You're playing the what if game of them losing with no, Woody, not, and Woody had one, give up one hit. About, you're talking about a third time through the road, through the batting order. The, okay, go look at statistics. Every time, the, the it is very hard to get through a batting order for a third time. You guys are you guys are missing the whole point. Fuller, of, they won. Of, Fly the L, Chicago is beautiful. I know, but then I don't understand why you're why, so exactly. They won. So what? What's the big question about how we can't we can't talk about Woody getting robbed of an awesome get performance? Okay, but it's not like what, what was he going back in there for? A shutout? I mean, that's all. That's not that big of a deal. If he had still, like I said, if he had a no hitter, shutout's not a big deal. If he has a no hitter, he goes back out there. If he has a two run lead with a little bit of cushion to be able to pull him out and still get a win. 
he goes back out there. Fuller. So if you want to blame anybody, blame the offense for not getting him more. Okay, well, we can agree on that one. I like that. There you go, buddy. I, I have no problem sending him back out there if it's 2 nothing. You look, hot, you look hotter than the collar today, Fuller. Is that bleeding over from last night with Rowdy? Yeah, because talking to him is like talking to a freaking Charlie on, on two reserves. <laughs> hey, Fuller, they got the win. We love it. Fly the L Chicago Cubs. Would you say, though, before I let you go, my brother, that you are a Craig Council apologist? Nope. Would not say that. <laughs> I would say he made a right decision this time. And Rowdy... It's okay to be wrong every once in a while. I've been wrong once, but I forgot about it. <laughs> Turns out you're And I will right. die hey, Fuller, Fuller, I will Fuller. die on that hill of not taking Brandon Woodruff out in that situation. Hey, F- Fuller, you still there? I think he pipe bombed. Oh, wow. Oh, no, he just did. I was going to say, Fuller, we got, he Ro- was listening. we got Rob Reichel coming up, too, to talk about Aaron Rodgers. So strap in. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Who's this? Debo, I'm surprised you didn't hit him with the, oh, let me get my pocket protector out, and I got to divide the whip by pie. Um, yeah, so all the, the, the advanced analytics say that, mm, 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 I know Brandon Woodruff is having his best game ever, but the advanced analytics say that we should go to Devin Williams. Oh, I was waiting for that, man. But you know what? I just, I love Fuller's uh, the man. He's a good guy. He just likes to, oh, yeah. just, oh, yeah. you, I like when people get worked up. I love Fuller. Oh, for sure. I, I, all I got to say is uh, the fact that we're arguing about baseball on uh, Sports Talk Radio means the world is healing just a little yes, bit. Yes, it you is. Know, the get, world is healing. Get back, let's get back to normal and go at it like this. And Keston Hero, please get a hit. Okay, please okay. Please let's let's talk about that. Keston Hero, what the hell's wrong with that guy? He's worried about man. playing first base. Uh, he stinks. I, I need it. You know, Rowdy helped me. My <laughs> sensei, Row, uh, Rowdy, helped me with my uh, baseball draft, and it's going very well so far. Well, I thought Rowdy um, Fuller was just calling Rowdy wrong. Yeah, no. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a <laughs> screenshot later, Rowdy, of how I'm doing so far. Um, but uh, but yeah, Hira, man, what is happening? Like, I mean, I know it's a small sample size, but come on. Oh, it's bad though. You pay, you pay them to get a hit. Yeah, and he has none. He has uh, How many strikeouts does he have now? 10? 11? Something like that? Something not good. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't looked very good. I mean, I'm with guys like that, even if you were talking about uh, you know Travis Shaw in 2019 when he was struggling, that's still... I'm normally under the impression that you still give someone about the first month of the season to see if this is really going to be a trend or not. But we do oh, know... Sure. Hey, Craig, Mitch, Craig likes I'll play it against the brother. play through it. So Rowdy, so we had one caller say Rowdy's wrong, and you're saying Rowdy's right. Well, I'm saying I, I see both sides, but it, you, it's it's not. I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I work in statistics, like I, I love yes. numbers and things yes, like that. the numbers. But you, but you can't just take the numbers and go with the numbers. <laughs> the, the eye test, like I, I think Woodruff was dealing. Um, Keep him in, you know. It's like you could you could say on the flip side, it's early in the season, so why not let him go out there and show his dominance, and then maybe that'll carry over to a couple, you know, yeah. future games. So, Mitch, I don't know. Mitch, always a pleasure, my brother. Yes, sir. See you, homie. And Fuller, see, always a pleasure too. See, I will I will have this little caveat for Fuller with statistics. Sometimes, like when a guy's playing that well, you go with your gut. And obviously, in that situation, I'm going with Brandon Woodruff because if we go back to a fateful game at uh, Lambeau Field in late January, the statistics actually said kicking the field goal gave them a little bit better 
of a chance of winning that game, if you remember correctly. But a lot of people, and I believe Fuller was in that same uh, category, said, well, you got to go for it on fourth down with Aaron Rodgers being your quarterback. But this, the, an, uh, the analytics did say that a little small percentage better there would have given the, the Packers a chance to win by kicking that field goal. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Hey, I also been missing the sounds of uh, Led Zeppelin. So in honor of my guy, Rob Reichel, I'm playing a little The Ocean. Get the lead out. As my man back from staring at the ocean on vacay. Robbie, we missed you, brother. What's up? I missed you too, man. It's, you know, if, if the international calls went like $6 a minute, I would have called in last week. But, uh, <laughs> it, it, it probably wasn't quite worth uh, my nickel or your nickel to, to hear me jam around for 12 minutes at six bucks a minute. So. Rob, you you are priceless to me, buddy. I would pay anything to hear your <laughs> voice. Hey, Rob, how was VK, man? How was it? What'd you go, Cabo? We did, yeah. We stuck away for a little more than a week. It was, uh, yeah, it was glorious, Evo. Long overdue. It was supposed to be last year's vacation. We had to push it back, obviously, due to the "quote unquote" pandemic. And, uh, but yeah, I know it, it, it was terrific. Uh, big shout out to uh, Miller Travel Agency over there in Middleton. Hell yeah! Uh, which did a, did a sensational job of getting us set up and. Um, just the fantastic people that work in that building and that office and took great care of us. Even it, it, was, it was as smooth as possible. I mean, there were a few times on the trip where I was, you know, going to say something like, man, this, this is, this is really going better than I thought it would or whatever. <laughs> right. But you know, as soon as you say that, you jinx it. And, um, it, it, it never happened from, you know, perfect flights, to unbelievable weather, to remarkable food and, you, you know, you know the deal on those all-inclusive places. You know, yeah. you know. I, I certainly didn't need to gain any weight, and I'm I'm terrified to stay uh, to, <laughs> to go find a scale now. So, um, good stuff, though. Yep, good yep. stuff. And now we're back. Now we're back to Packer craziness. Yes, we are, uh, Rob. I'm sure you caught up with what you uh, went on vacation. I'm sure you weren't completely unplugged, but the the I call it a soap opera. It's the as the wheel of cheese turns up there in Titletown, right? As now uh, Mark Murphy coming out, I think this is when you're on vacation. Uh, when asked about Rodgers and the contract extension, he's like, oh, "We're not talking about we're not talking about players." And then he immediately goes and talks about like David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark and you know Kevin King and et cetera, et cetera. Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, Rob. The more this goes on, and I know this is going to be a tiresome topic, and Rodgers, what, last Friday was on, I think, with Kenny Maine, and he said that he still is in the same spot, hasn't heard anything, it's not his people, it's the Packers' people. The more this goes on, the more I feel like the Packers are moving on from Rodgers after this year. Am I wrong in thinking that? Well, again, and if you remember, Evo, I wrote this already probably three, four weeks ago yeah. when, when they were restructuring all these contracts and, and the national media hadn't quite picked up on it at that point in time, uh, you know, the all-day talkers and, and guys like that. But when they, when they went ahead and, you know, did, did the two Smiths and Bakhtiari and, and Amos, and even, you know, even they picked up a few bucks from Devin Funches and, and players like that, you know, I, I started calling around the league, Evo, and, 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 and I, you know, guys I really trust, and, and everybody said the same thing. What, what in the hell are they doing? Why are they doing all these contracts other than 12s? Because they needed to pick up, you know, give or take $24 million to get under the cap, Evo, and Rogers could have given them anywhere from 15 to 17. So let's call it two-thirds of that money. Well, they went in every direction possible other than the quarterback to get that done, which was just shocking to so many people around the league, and 
But here's the bottom line, Evo, and, and, and I think we've talked about this. And what the Packers have done now is, is they have left themselves all the power and control. They are completely in control of this relationship. Um, if Jordan Love comes out and impresses them this summer and, and, and is a really you know, improved player in training camp and, and has a few solid preseason games, and, and maybe even let's say Rodgers goes down for a month and they go 2-2 two and two under Love, um, and Rodgers maybe takes a step back slightly from his MVP season um, of 2020. Green Bay can easily now get out from what's left of this contract and turn this thing over to Love by 2022. And, and I would say at this point in time, Evo, that if, if I had to bet a dollar, that, that, that's kind of where this is all trending, that they're going to get away from Rodgers by the 2022 season. Now, the fans don't want to hear that. The fans throw their arms up and they say, why? My God, the guy just won MVP, and, and, and it's understandable. But here's the number one reason why. Two reasons, really. You, you don't draft quarterbacks in the first round to sit them very long in today's NFL. They play and they play quickly. And, and the reason they play quickly, Evo, is, is because they, they, especially a guy like Love who was taken in the mid-20s, are not going to break your salary cap base. He's mm-hmm. going to make $4 million a year for the better you know, part of the rest of this contract that he's currently playing under. Aaron Rodgers this year is going to make $37.5 billion. It's the highest cap number. At least not this cap number. It's the highest cap number in the NFL, Evo. And, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, you know, for comparison's sake, is going to make about $7 million. His cap number is about seven, even though he signed that, you know, $500 million contract. Well, people say, why can the Chiefs sign all these guys, right? Why, why can Tampa Bay keep putting together this all-star team? It's because guys like Mahomes and Brady count you know, a, a percentage of the cap what Aaron Rodgers does. Aaron Rodgers' cap number is the highest in the NFL. And the Packers just don't want to go down that road anymore. At least that's, that, that, that's the very safe way to read this thing, Evo, is, is they want to try a different path to win a Super Bowl. And it's not to have the highest-paid player and not to have the highest-paid quarterback in the league. It's to have a good um, to above-average quarterback on a rookie deal where you can surround him with outstanding personnel. All these people that want the Packers to go dive deep into free agency, um, now they'll be able to do it if they make this move eventually from Rodgers to Love, and they go out and sign two, three, four free agents an offseason and make the fan base happy from that perspective. Is it a risky move when they go ahead and do it, Evo? Obviously, it's an enormous risk. It was a huge risk when they moved on from five, and the state went absolutely bongo, didn't they? And and it's paid off in space. Robbie, they, some still haven't recovered from it. My mother hasn't, Evo. Like, <laughs> she, she, she still runs around in her farm jersey and swears she'll never cheer for the Packers again. And, <laughs> and, and, there will be, and there will be people like that with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I know uh, a few. That, 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 that will wear the 12 jersey until the day they die and say, Green Bay is nuts forever having gotten rid of this guy and gone to Jordan Love. What we don't know at this point in time is, is Brian Gutekunst absolutely nuts or is he a mad genius? Well, and, yeah, and that's right? what we're going to find out in the next year or two. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Robbie, but didn't Brian Gutekunst, like, wasn't he enamored with Deshaun, or, uh, uh, Deshaun Kaiser? Yes, he was. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave it right there. I, 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 I actually forgot that, Evo, but yes, you are right. He, he did like Kaiser quite a bit. That didn't. Uh, <laughs> that didn't exactly work out. It's, it's probably probably interesting you bring that up. The fan base. Uh, I apologize. You know, the fan, fan base certainly probably doesn't want to hear that right now. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, the, 
Yeah, no, that, that, I mean, there's no question. The Rogers drama is, is it, it's not going to go away. Mark Murphy could have helped um, end some things. What was he doing, by the way? That was a tough scene from that press conference from Mark Murphy. Like, of him, like, when he said that comment about Rodgers or how he's not going to talk about Rodgers, I was like, that sounds weird. And then he proceeded to talk about Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones, uh, you know, insert other players here. I was like, what the hell is going on? Well, what was so odd, Evo, is, you know, just shortly after the playoff loss to Tampa Bay, he went, Murphy went on a on a Green Bay radio station, and he said, I think the quote was, we're not idiots, you know, in terms <laughs> of, uh, you know, and, and, and that's going to be played for, for many, many years, I think, um, and, and written about, and, you know, in terms of moving on from Rodgers, and, and now here we are two months later, and he won't ask questions, and it's a no comment. You know, I, I watched the video link of that, you know, a couple days ago, Evo, um, initially, the Packers hadn't sent it out, and, and they didn't even post it to their website. And, and 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 I'll be honest, you can certainly read between the lines there, but the re- they, they post everything to the website. Yeah. The reason they clearly didn't do it in that instance is just because, you know, I think how poorly prepared Murphy looked for that line of questions. Um, and that was really a surprising thing to me. Is it, it seemed to catch him off guard. I know he went out there to talk about the 17th game being added and, and things like that, and obviously an attractive matchup you know, coming up this season with the Chiefs. But when, when the Rodgers stuff came up, he seemed completely ill-prepared to handle that line of questioning. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and then he it's went tough. to the no comments, which, which a lot of times looks even worse. Than, than giving some type well, of Well, Rob, it's easy. I mean, everyone knows what to say up there when you're in that position is Rodgers is our quarterback of the future, even if he isn't. That's what you say. Rodgers is our quarterback for the future. The Eagles were saying it with Carson Wentz a day later. They traded him. They just said he's a quarterback of the future, then they traded him a day later. It's easy to do, Rob. And, and I've told people that for 25 years, Evo. Never believe a thing you see here in a press conference. Yeah. It's no different than a politician right in October, three weeks before an election, running around the country, standing in a podium, telling everybody from, from Buffalo uh, to San Francisco what they want to hear, yeah, right? That's, exactly. that's what press conferences are. I mean, it's, 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 it's a handful of lies, and, and much, like, you know, much like now, Evo, as I call around and, and, I, and I talk to people about these upcoming you know, draft prospects and the draft that we've got coming up, it's, it's lying season is what we want to call it, right? Yeah. It's, that's 2021, Rob. That's, that's, that's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it is. It is but but that, you're exactly right. To your point, you know, Murphy could have easily said exactly what everybody in the Packer organization said after the NFC Championship game was that Rodgers is our quarterback today, tomorrow, for the foreseeable future, yada, 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 right? The no comment jumps off the page and everybody, and it's what leads to this it makes it weird. national speculation on every radio station and every talking head station that you see across the country. Yeah, it, it makes it weird. It makes it, you know, troublesome. All right, Rob Reister joining us from Forbes.com. Robbie, uh, man, time's flying on us, Rob. Rob, before I let you go, a couple questions, but what did you oh, think? We got, we, got, we got time, my brother. I got last week's segment to make up for. Yeah, you ain't lying there, brother. Robbie, what did you think of uh, Aaron Rodgers' first night on Jeopardy and Matt LaFleur get totally dunked on, as you had tweeted out at Rob Rice on your Twitter account, with who decided to kick the field goal? What did you think of that question? And if you're Matt LaFleur watching, how much are you squirming? So not only squirming, you know, to me about what the contestant wrote, but I don't know if you saw the behind-the-scenes cuts that have been released from that. No, well. I have not. Do tell. Okay, so jump online today. You'll find this easy. During a commercial break, Rogers walked over to the contestant. And obviously here, I'm just kind of ad-libbing. It won't be a direct quote. 
Um, he walked over to the contestant and he said something to the effect of, my man, he goes, you know, I, 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 I could see everything you were writing. I was laughing hysterically. Um, I'm, I'm really glad you wrote that. Um, you're, you're in my all-time Hall of Fame or something like that. Where, so, so in the process, not only did the contestant, you know, give, give old Maddie LaFleur a kick to the, kick to the midsection, <laughs> so did the quarterback. And, um, you know, it, it, I don't think that thing has, you know, quite gotten the play and the publicity yet that it probably will, uh, Evil. But it was really telling that Rodgers jumped in there as well and wow. obviously sided with the contestants more than the, than the head coach. I'll, I'll say this a, co- a couple of things. That it, uh, that, that part of it to me was fascinating. It almost seemed like somehow it, it had to be staged or something like that. But, um, you know, it, it, it was crazy the contestant went down that road. Um, it was even crazier than that the quarterback uh, from – you know, from California, took the, took the shot at his head coach sitting back in Green Bay. I, I'm sure Matt LaFleur would love to see that video here in the last day or two. Wow. Rob, whoever yeah. would have thought that we'd be talking Packers drama with a Rodgers hosting Jeopardy and a contestant <laughs> in final Jeopardy stirring the pot. What a wild world we live in right now. Uh, I, tell you what, I tell you what, though, and, and you know I'm, I'm, always, I'm not always the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan. The guy is killing it on Jeopardy. Yes, he is doing great. Boy, he is he is he is smooth, and it's almost unfair that somebody's that good at throwing a football and and that good at jumping up in front of a TV camera and and, and being a natural. Because I, mean, I don't know how this thing plays out, Evo, but it certainly looks like he would have a future doing that. Yeah, he's he's crushing it, uh, Rob. Before I let you go, and listen, we're going to talk more about it coming up here, just because uh, as the upcoming weeks, because the draft is on the horizon here. What is it, April 29th, the first night? What do you think the Packers three, do? Three weeks from tonight, Evo. Crazy man! What do you think the Packers Great. do with that first pick uh, later on in the first round? You know, draft a quarterback. A <laughs> yeah, Jordan yeah. loves backup. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be a little drama, right? <laughs> you know, the, the drama's going to come, Evo, when they bypass on a wide receiver again. Yep. And and then and then the, then the you know then the fan base and the national media will go nuts saying they don't get Aaron Rodgers any help, um, even though they led the league in scoring last year. Um, no, I'll tell you, it's a really – they need help on both lines of scrimmage. And and if you don't get your big people early in drafts, a lot of times it's hard to find them. Um, I, they're coming back at least in September, Evo, without two of their best three offensive linemen from a year ago. I mean, I think it's a real stretch to say and think Bakhtiari is going to play in the opener. I would have to think it's going to take him a month into the season to come back from that ACL, and I think a lot of people forget – you know, that, that he's making his way back from that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and obviously, Corey Lindsley, they lost to the Chargers in, in free agency. So, right now, they're down two of their three best offensive linemen from a year ago. Jenkins, obviously, being the third one. And I'd be really surprised, even if they don't go offensive line, because there's going to be some high-level quality candidates. They, they, can, they can draft and plug and play immediately. Um, some of these centers, some of these tackles, maybe a guard. I don't, I don't know that they necessarily go guard in round one, but they're going to have a lot of options. I mean, I'm envisioning Billy Turner as the left tackle to start the year. There's a there's a lot of tackles that they could take that could start on day one at right tackle. They they could they could immediately find a center. There's three four centers in this draft, people that are ready to play yeah. on day one that that could jump in immediately for Lindsley. 
you know, everybody that wants to get down on this team, you know, don't don't forget, and, and, and everybody that whines and yells and screams, you know, you know that they that they didn't go for it in free agency and things like that. They, they were unbelievably scrapped with the cap dropping and uh, you know the middle of the pandemic that we're in, and they're still finding a way, or they found a way. You know, they they will bring back twenty one of twenty two starters next year. They're they're going for it one more year here, and that's that's what they're saying with Rogers. Nice. Uh, okay. The only starter they will bring back is Corey Lindsley. Yeah. They are completely going for it here in twenty twenty one. And then 2022, even I think it certainly looks like they might tear it up and start it over from scratch. But but at least one more year, they're bringing the band back together. And to me, they've got to find an instant starter then on that offensive line. My guess is that's where they go. Totally. Rob, we appreciate your time. I got a little all my love Led Zeppelin taking you out because uh, you have all of my love, Rob Reich. So we're glad to have you back on these airwaves. And rumor is you're going to throw your resume in for that open athletic director spot on June 30th, yes, for uh, UW? <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm not sure I'd get an interview on that. <laughs> Rob, uh, hopefully you didn't get sunburned. If you did, put some aloe on, and we'll talk to you next week, brother. All right, pal. Have a great week. See you, buddy. There he is, Rob Reichel. Turning people on everywhere. Setting fires, Rowdy. All right, Rowdy, so you got the Brewer shirt on. And I want to play before we get to Rob Reichel. I'm thirsty now, dude. It is freaking hot as hell in here. Before Rob Reichel comes on, our guy Fuller who started off kind of this, uh, and I hope he's still listening. He, he he called you during the stop set to bitch at you even more. Uh, I love how the fight spills over. And it's all, we're all friends here, obviously. But it's about Brandon Woodruff. And it's about Woody getting pulled. Some think it's the quick hook. Others think it was the right decision. And he, let's be completely honest. On paper, the sounds of Brandon Woodruff going seven innings, then to have Devin Williams come in in the eighth, and then Josh Hader in the ninth, is awesome. It is electric. That's what any team would want, right? An ace and then a rookie of the year who's got a minuscule ERA from last year and then Josh Hader, the best bullpen guy in the game, the best closer there is. Yeah. So on paper, sounds on incredible. Paper, it sounds amazing because you'd imagine that Brandon Woodruff goes seven, throws about 100 pitches, then you bring in two out of probably the top five relievers from last season. On paper, sounds great. Sounds amazing. Like, if they were to pull Woody in the seventh on paper, you would think what? He would have given up a couple runs. Maybe the Brewers are, you know, what, winning like three to two. Yeah, or, and then he's hit around that 100 pitch he has mark. around 100 pitches. You know, guys are starting to. Giving up some hits. Guys are starting to get some better at bats, make some uh, harder contact against him. And it, it looks like he's starting to fade. And look, yeah, looks, there's the key thing. Looks like he's starting to fade, right? Yep. And then you just hand it right to your best two relievers and we'll basically call it a day. Love it. But how many times, Rowdy, and you asked me this question earlier, I'm going to ask it to you now. How many times will we see a performance like we did yesterday from Brandon Woodruff? Well, that's the thing. We've seen Brandon Woodruff starting games for the Milwaukee Brewers since what, 2017 ish? Yeah. How many times has he looked that good since 2017? It's it's got to be a handful or less. Yeah, like that was one of his best performance as a as a big league pitcher in his career. That is an A plus game from Brandon Woodruff. He gave up one hit. He struck out eight. I listened to the radio broadcast on the way home. I watched the game once I got home. You listen on ninety six seven FM sixteen seventy AM the Zone WOZN. That's correct. And all I heard <laughs> from the broadcasters was. This is the best curveball they might have ever seen Brandon Woodruff throw today. Heard the exact same thing. 
He was at 74 pitches with just one hit. He had struck out eight, and they're talking about him having his best curveball he might have ever had. Yep. Listen, I'm glad they won. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, we're not we're not arguing because at the end of the day, they won. But this is a, a topic that has been bantered back and forth with for, I feel like, years yeah. now. Rowdy, there's a thing called the eye test, right? There's also a saying called you ride the hot hand. And who, my friend Rowdy, who had that hot hand? It was Brandon Woodruff. Like, And this is where I keep talking about he had his A-plus stuff. There's no doubt about that was the best stuff that Brandon Woodruff's had, and it's it's one of the best games he's ever pitched. Mm-hmm. But when I look at Devin Williams and I look at Josh Hader, of course they're two of the better relievers in Major League Baseball. But here's the thing. Brandon Woodruff is your ace, and he's having his A-plus best game. There is no guarantee even with how good Devin Williams is and Josh Hader or Josh Hader is that they're going to have their A stuff cuz there were well, times uh, Devin Williams didn't remember in 2019 at the end of the season where uh I believe they were playing the Rockies out in Colorado and Josh Hader came into the game and they needed to win those games yes. for playoff seating yes and Hader couldn't find the strike zone. And then when he did find the strike zone, he got taken Yaya out of the park. Remember? <laughs> yes, I do. Sadly, I do. Even though they're that great, they still have those games because it's baseball. Mm-hmm. Because in baseball, even if you're, if you're a hitter and yet you're uh, three out of ten, that's a failing grade in most classes. You're a Hall of Famer in that's, baseball. That's in all classes, Rowdy. Three out of ten in class, yeah. You you probably get you, you, you probably get this, sent back. This a grade. happens. No one is perfect in baseball. It's it's a game of failure. Mm-hmm. These guys will have games where they don't have their best stuff and they get hit hard too. Listen, but when you're in that situation with Woodruff at 74 pitches being that dominant, why are you pulling the plug? Love the win. Absolutely love the win. It was phenomenal. The Cubs. I hate nothing more in this world than the Chicago Cubs. When it comes to sports. Love that they won down in American Family Field South. Love it. And for the likes of Fuller and our guy Burnsy here on Twitch, as I agree with Full Dog, aside from what he looked like, the no-hitter was gone. Let him sit down with a great performance instead of going back out there and potentially giving up a couple runs and then taking him out. Well, here's the, th- here's the flip side. He stays in the game. The Brewers get a little run support. What do he gets to win then? See, now I'm curious. Now I'm curious. Say, say they're in the exact same scenario, but say we're in like the third inning. And say Brandon Woodruff is is throwing a really good game, but he's got a really high pitch count because he's going to a lot. He's going into a lot of uh, longer counts, right? Mm-hmm. And say we're going into the the fourth inning now, and instead of going into the eighth inning, it's the fourth inning, and he's at seventy four pitches, but he's only given up one hit. <laughs> he's got all these strikeouts. Maybe pepper in yeah, a few but walks. It's the fourth just, inning, just to get because he needs his pitch count up. Yeah, and he's running a lot of long counts, and we're now heading into the fourth inning, and he's only at seventy four pitches. What are you are saying you, then? Are you take are you taking him out in the fourth inning, or are you keeping him in in the fourth inning? It's a great question. What would you do, Rowdy? I'm keeping him in. <laughs> exactly. We have Burnsy here saying he sits on the bench with a great mental state because he just pitched great instead of letting him give up runs, and then sits on the bench all pissed off if he gave up those runs. I mean, we're all in the what if games here. I get it. But do you think Brandon Woodruff, it, a guy? All, all of these are what if games. When Fuller called in, it was a what if. What we're what, talking, talking about, about a what right if. now is a what if. What Burns Burnsy on Twitch is talking about is a what if. This is all what if, and it's all preference. And my preference is to stay with the hot hand. 
My preference is to stay with the hot hand, too. My preference is to see a guy ride it out. And you and RJ both messaged me right when it happened and go, oh, God. Yeah. I bet you're hot right now. And yeah, I was. I was hot, too. I'm like, what is. Yeah, okay. We have comments coming up from Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff says he agrees with Greg, uh, Craig Council. He's out there saying that agreeing with Craig Council. So I will I will play those clips coming up here. We had to play the what-if game. And it was a lot of people getting hot under the collar about, yes, the Brewers won. Absolutely love it. Fly the L, Chicago Cubs, down at American Family Field South, or some people call it Wrigley. But Rowdy, in that game, Brandon Woodruff, the Brewers' ace, absolutely dealing the best stuff he's possibly ever thrown for the Brewers. 74 pitches, gets pulled in what, the seventh inning? Yeah, after the seventh. After the seventh inning, excuse me. Pulled after the seventh inning is done. Trots out uh, Devin Williams, Craig Council does. Williams then immediately gives up the home run to Jock Peterson. Game's tied 1-1. And then it went to, what, Hayter after that? And then we went to extras after the Cubs tied it up. And then Fire Eisen came on the mound after Lorenzo Cain hit a nice little bomb in the 10th to make it, what, 4-1. Correct. Fire Eisen comes on the mound, loads the bases. Yeah, it looked, it looked like he was going to get out of the inning because it start that inning started off pretty well for uh, Fire Eisen. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he just couldn't find the strike zone. No, loads the bases, and then Boxberger came in to close it up. We were done. Brewers win 4-2. to two. And a lot of people were talking about Devin, or um, sorry, not Devin Williams, who gave up the home run. It was Brandon Woodruff, who was a man possessed on the mound. And there's, one cam- there's two camps. One camp is... You gave Brandon Woodruff the early hook, which Council does like to do to his starting pitchers. You gave him the early hook, 74 pitches, and he was dealing. And the other camp is, well, it's a perfect move by Craig Council. Uh, it's what you should have done. You want to save Woody for September. And Rowdy, we both fall in the camp in that I wanted to see Brandon Woodruff keep going because he was untouchable. Yeah, and I've always been a proponent of if a starter is absolutely rolling and it doesn't look like they're fatiguing or the the other opposing team is not putting good contact or having graded bats against him. Yeah. As long as uh he's ready to go, I'm trotting him back out there. So obviously Council was in the well, I'm putting my starter down. He had a which don't get it twisted, he had a great outing and the Brewers still won the game. But here's comments from Brandon Woodruff about getting pulled. I was unhappy about it. Rowdy was unhappy about it. I know like I said, half probably half Brewers Nation was unhappy about it. We wanted to see it. I love when pitchers said, "Put, leave me on the mound, let me deal, I'm in the zone. I love that. Here's Woodruff, who agrees with Craig Council. Here is the comments from Brandon Woodruff. I know the pitch count looks really low for considering the innings, but once Hap got the hit there, I knew I had to kind of empty the tank in a, in a sense. And even though it wasn't that many pitches, the ups is what gets you a little bit. And and after getting out of the inning and basically just emptying the tank there in the seventh and just to get through that, I was a little tired coming out after that inning. All right. So, I'll um, just, let me just reiterate. I was a little tired coming out after that inning. I think that was the right time. I was losing myself in my delivery right there. I think Hook and Counts kind of identified it as well. I think that was the right move, Was uh, was more of his comments. So he agrees with his manager, Craig Council. My question is, Rowdy, what the hell else is Brandon Woodruff going to say? See, I wish I wish we had a, a source inside that Brewers dugout that was sitting on the bench to see if Craig Council came up to Brandon Woodruff and said, can you go next inning? Do you want next inning? 
Because if you're Brandon Woodruff, don't you have the moxie? Don't you have the you know the power to be like, yo, counts. Get out of here. Let me finish it. You would think as a competitor, if you're on the mound and you're throwing that well, you want the ball. Unless you know you're 100% spent, you know a competitor wants that ball. He wants to be on the mound. And obviously... He's 74 pitches. He, was, uh, he had the company man lines there. Like, yeah, I was a little tired. Yeah, I think it was a good idea. I think council made the right decision. Because what's he going to do? Start a holy war yeah, what's with he gonna his say? manager? Yeah, council's the second an idiot. start of the season? He shouldn't have, he shouldn't have done that. I want to stay on the mound. He's not going to do that. But here's what Brandon Woodruff said afterwards. See, he might have said he might have said that if that was like a playoff game where it's like the end of the season where you're not going to see each other for six months, <laughs> or if it, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But for the, his second start of the season, he's not going to come out and uh, completely disagree with the manager and, like I said, start a holy war. They've only played six games. All right. Here's another one from Woody on being removed in this. Uh, after I second. think that was the right time. I think that was the right moment to do it because I was. I was losing myself in my delivery a little bit on some pitches there. Not too much, but just a few pitches there towards the end. And I think Hooky and, and Counts kind of identified it too as well. So I think it was the, the right moves. All right, so he says that. But again, what else is he going to say? Well, here's what else he says. He said a little bit. Yeah. The last few pitches, maybe a, a little maybe, bit. Here's what he said. Listen to this one right here about what are you getting pulled from by Craig Council. Hopefully going forward, I get through seven on 72 pitches. They'll have to pretty much rip rip me off the mound to, you know, take me out. So, um, but it's, it's still early and, you know, I'm just glad we, we pulled out that win. Hopefully in the future, they'll have to rip me off the mound if I'm sitting around those pitches. 72, yeah. 74 and pitches. 100%, I know, I like I just said, I wish we had a source that was mm-hmm. sitting on the bench right there. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say Craig Council did not ask Brandon Woodruff if he was tired or if he wanted one more or if he had another one left in him. I think he told Brandon Woodruff his day is done. Hopefully going forward, I get through seven on 72 pitches. They'll have to pretty much rip rip me off the mound to you know take me out. So, um, But it's, it's still early, and you know, I'm just glad we, we pulled out that win. Love the win. Ooh. Love the series win. So looking at our email inbox here, we have an interesting <laughs> one from yeah. – uh, from John. Hey, Johnny. John said, Council has no choice. Only a few managers can make that call anymore. And those two off the top of my head are Dusty Baker and Joe Madden. Council is just a front man <laughs> for the front office when it comes to in-game decisions. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I believe that, but oh, was that a Seth Everett podcast, I think? Something like that? And then we have a another one here from the inbox from Roger saying, it sounds like Brandon Woodruff is just covering for his coach's ass. Well, okay, here's the thing. If if listen, they're all company men, they're all team players. You got the win. We're not we're not complaining about the win. I just like to see Brandon what I'd like to see when a competitor is at his highest level competing like that. I like to see more of it. And and the other flip side of that, and I know we touched on win. this earlier love the win. is in past seasons since 2017 where the Brewers have been in that playoff type uh, run, have been in that uh, winning season where you're starting to look at September because that's that's the retort. Yeah. Do you want them? Do you want them fresh now or do you want them fresh in September? Well, do you think 74 pitches are really going to wear a dude out? And that's that's where I asked the question if if this was going into the fourth inning, he was at 74 pitches and it was currently nothing, nothing. Are you going to keep him in or not? Because yeah, you're, you're keeping, keeping him in. in. He's probably going to throw. We'll say he gets through that. Uh, 
that fourth inning and say sitting at 90 pitches, you'd probably even consider keeping him in for the fifth. Yeah. So why would that change now all of a sudden that he's rolling in the in the seventh and eighth? And hey, thank God for Lorenzo Cain, though. Yeah, Lorenzo Cain, in my opinion, bailed out Craig Council twice yesterday. Low Cain was a man possessed. And now think about this. Just they, like Woody. Think about the game today. You have Corbin Burns who who threw an amazing game. He's going against Wainwright? Yep, against Wainwright today in the Cardinals. Threw an amazing game against the Twins in his first start. He had his some good A stuff. Mm -hmm. Say he doesn't necessarily have his A stuff, but he he gets through the game and the Brewers are are currently winning, you know, going into the sixth, seventh inning where Burns is spent and it's three to one Brewers. Now is Williams and is Williams and uh, Hader going to be available today? Because I know in the past, Hader used to be available for multiple days in a row. But I know you talk about well, bubble, bubble wrap. Them now. They, they've done it more and more as the years go on. Yeah. And we talked about Williams not ha- having his great stuff yesterday. And he has had tightness. He's had soreness. That's why he didn't pitch a ton in spring training. And that's why it took so long to get him into games. Now, is he going to be healthy enough to pitch today if they're in a winning situation? Right. Well, here you're spot on, Rowdy, and the phone line's blowing up, 608-321-1670. I'll get to you in a second. Uh, my brother Doogie messaged me, says, Council is not short-sighted in a long season. But He here, made the right move, he says. Here's my flip side, because everyone keeps saying about September versus now. Have you ever seen a starting pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers that you can remember off the top of your head that's ever completely fallen off the face of the earth in September? We're not talking Matt Garza's no. and guys that were trash I mean, pretty much the whole season. We're yeah. talking about a guy that looked phenomenal for a full year and then completely fell off in the last month of the season. I can't. Nothing comes to my mind. Exactly. How many times, though, in the last, we'll go four or five years, though, when the Brewers have been competitive, have you seen that bullpen all of a sudden crap out in June and July and then they need to make a trade I've seen for a couple arms because all of a sudden the bullpen just looks like it's shot? We've seen that. Few times, and we've also seen Craig Council multiple times in the last four or five season do this, where he has the early hooks, and, and all of a sudden the these relievers. But the bullpen is good, no doubt. But yeah. they still have injuries. But they carry that heavy load early, and they crap out in the middle of the season. And then all of a sudden, you're trading for the Drew Pomerantz of the world, the Ray Blacks of the world, and you're making these trades. This was a yeah. situation where we've seen the early you didn't too. necessarily have to go to your bullpen, and you still could have won that game. And uh, my brother Doogie says, you don't know that Williams has given up the home run when he pulled Woody. Well, I understand that, but you also don't know that Brandon Woodruff doesn't go and gets the win. Yeah, like a Again, it's the what ifs. It's yeah. what if Brandon Woodruff stays in for the next two innings and only throws 20 pitches the rest of the game and throws Here, a shutout. Here's what I do know about yesterday in the early start of the season. Brandon Woodruff had one of his best games he was ever pitching. I also know that the game before that Devin Williams was in, in a weird situation, he gave up a home run and he's coming off of injury. I know and, that for and a And to fact. me, that's even irrelevant. Like, looking at Brandon Woodruff, I just look at him, you know, the eye test. The guy looks like money. This is you ever heard of riding the hot hand? This is this is a guy that's it's one of his better starts that he's had since he came into Major League Baseball. I'm going to stick with the guy that looks amazing, especially when his pitch count isn't isn't crazy. And at the end of the day, they want it's awesome.